one out of seven sacraments. Is that good enough? Is that good enough? Just get traditional Latin Mass occasionally by your local bishop's permission at 2 p.m. on a Sunday, maybe, and no Holy Week and no Triduum and nothing else traditional. That's the new offer. That's the new offer coming out of Rome. Six, count them up, six of the seven sacraments, the momentum, the pattern coming from Rome, will be Novus Ordo, and then they'll give us the little cookie, and I don't mean, I'm not talking about sacrilegious like Protestants refer to our Eucharist as the cookie, I'm talking about the little treat. You get to have a traditional Latin Mass when we say, when you meet certain criteria, when you pass certain surveys, then we will give you your treat, your cookie, your candy, your goodies. Is that where we are now in 2021? I'm going to give you a short history of what's happened over the last two years just to remind you of how we've gotten to this point. Basically what's happening is we're seeing bishops following the pattern in Rome in which it states from the vicariate in Rome, overseeing the Diocese of Rome, you can have traditional Latin Mass, but none of the other six sacraments in the traditional pre-Vatican II form. So many people don't know that the pre-Vatican II liturgy, ritual for going to confession, the sacrament of penance, is actually different. The priest says more. It's a different liturgy than what Paul VI gave us after Vatican II. And it goes for all seven sacraments. Paul VI, from the 1960s into the 70s, gave us a new baptism liturgy, a new confirmation liturgy, a new Novus Ordo Mass liturgy. Let's see if I can get through all seven sacraments. Uh, a new liturgy for penance, a new liturgy for extreme unction, a new liturgy for holy orders, especially for the Episcopate, which bothers many people, and also a new liturgy for holy matrimony. That's right. Everything is new. There's a lot of people who say, no, we don't want the new Coke. We want Coke Classic. We don't want the remix. We want the original track as it was originally mastered by the holy popes and saints over a slow, careful, deliberate progression from the time of the apostles until the 1960s, when they literally were composing Eucharistic prayers, allegedly on the back of napkins in taverns at Trastevere in Rome. Let's pray. We're going to begin with our Our Father, and then we'll look into the history and what's going on lately in Rome. Oremus. Nomini Patris et Fidii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater Noster, qui es in celi sanctificetur nomen tuum, advenia regnum tuum. Fiat voluntas tua, sicut in cello et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et temite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, se libra nos amalo. Amen. Nomini Patris et Fidii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. All right, friends, just a reminder, uh, I recently covered a lot of things going on with Traditionis and Custodis over the last several months. That's why it's important that you subscribe. Every one of these podcasts is building on previous podcasts. Now, you don't have to listen to every podcast, but if you can be in the stream of the things that I'm discussing on this podcast, you'll be caught up and you'll understand better what's happening. So hit the subscribe button, hit the bell, and you'll be notified when a new live podcast like this one comes out. You can also listen to these podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, Audible, um, Amazon Music. It's syndicated everywhere. So wherever you consume your audio content, you can also listen to the audio version of the Dr. Taylor Marshall podcast there as well. And while you're at it, I would really appreciate a thumbs up like and a share. Share this on Facebook, Twitter. You are my algorithm. Okay, a little bit of a history. The Roman Rite is the expression 
not only of the holy sacrifice of the Mass, but also the divine liturgies. That's matins, lauds, prime, terse, sext, all the way up to vespers, compline. It's the way that monks and nuns and priests pray eight times a day. That's part of the Roman rite, the liturgy. There's also the holy sacrifice of the Mass. That's part of the Roman rite. There's also the liturgical year. For example, how we celebrate Christmas with three special Masses. Um, All Souls has three, you can say three Masses that day. And then, of course, the seasons like what we call pre-Lent, Septuagesima, Lent, uh, Holy Week, Triduum. There's also a whole, you know, other layer of tradition and custom and rubrics and prayers in the Roman rite. But it doesn't stop there. There's also the rites and the rituals and the prayers and the blessings for uh, exorcism and for the blessing of certain items. So when we talk about being a traditional Catholic, we're not just talking about the traditional Latin Mass. The traditional Latin Mass is sort of the, the bullseye. It is the ground zero because as Catholics, our experience with Jesus Christ, our engagement with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, happens weekly, or if you go daily, daily, at the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. So that's our primary, if we want to use a Novus Ordo word, our encounter. It's our primary encounter with the living God. But being a traditional Catholic, and you've heard me say this over and over on this podcast, is not just about the Latin Mass. It's also about theology, doctrine. Do you believe the traditional Catholic doctrine regarding nature and grace, the Holy Trinity, Christology, Mariology, the saints, the sacraments, and yes, even the liturgy falls into this. And then morality. You know, there's a traditional Catholic morality that kind of surprises and and shocks people when they learn about it. For example, traditionally, the Catholic Church has always said that the death penalty is admissible in certain cases. There are popes after popes after popes stating this. There are saints. There are councils. There's catechism. There's all kinds of things. Suddenly, nowadays, it's like, "Uh -uh, we don't like that. But there's a traditional morality. I just bring up the death penalty because it's such an obvious one. Contraception is another. Traditionally, contraception, going back not only to the apostles, but into the Old Testament, the faith revealed by God to the patriarchs and through Moses, contraception not allowed. Remember, Onan was killed for the sin of Onanism. Do your own research. Look into it. Nowadays, however, most Catholics are surprised when they see a large family or they hear that a young couple is not going to use a form of contraception. Like, what? Like, well, we're following the Catholic faith. I'm like, well, no, no, no. I remember, like, in the early 80s, I went to Monsignor Bob, and Monsignor Bob told me in confession, well, just follow your conscience and do whatever. The church isn't strict on these matters anymore. So there's a traditional liturgy. There's a traditional faith, doctrine, and there's a traditional morality. Then there's also kind of surrounding all of this, to use a, a um, novice ordo world, on the peripheries. Out on the peripheries are all the devotions, you know, that the St. Anthony Novena that your aunt, your grandma used to always pray and, um, you know, certain uh, devotions and prayers and customs and all these things that were part of a, a Catholic culture that grew like a, like a compact garden with all kinds of flowers and, and plants and vines and all this. It was very much alive. And for some reason in the 1960s and 1970s, they just came in with a weed whacker and just, and just cut everything down and you know built these concrete churches and churches in the round and weird, ugly, jagged stained glass and uh, crucifixes that you know looked like something that Picasso would make, and all this kind of crazy, weird stuff uh, started happening. So, you know, that kind of is the devotions, the architecture, the feel, as the youngsters say, the vibe. It's a vibe. The traditional vibe is gone. Now, I've been sounding the alarm, as have many trads, 
for many years, many decades. I'm just the Johnny come lately. Dad on a webcam talking about it. Many people have been saying, look, you know, it's not just about, oh, we want our TLM. We want our traditional Latin mass. We want a traditional Catholic lifestyle. A traditional Catholic community, to use these buzzwords that they use nowadays. We want a traditional Catholic evangelization, presentation, proclamation. You know, so it's not just going to the traditional Latin Mass. It's hearing traditional Catholic sermons and going to confession and getting traditional Catholic moral teaching and traditional Catholic penance to help heal the wounds in our soul from our own sins and our own bad habits and our vices. This is what we want. Do you agree? Are you watching live? Let me know. Do you agree that what we're looking for here is not just the traditional Latin Mass? Leave a comment below or if you're in the live chat right now, let me see. I can see the live chat right now. I think I'm usually about like one or two seconds ahead of you. Um, don't you want traditional architecture, traditional vestments, traditional nuns, uh, traditional altars, traditional catechisms, traditional masses, traditional sacraments? Good, everybody's kind of agreeing now. That's what I thought. The audience of this podcast generally wants these traditional ways. What they're trying to do right now is they're trying to stomp out the emerging, growing, traditional movement. It's been exploding for the last couple years. The corruption in the church, the nonsensical hymns and weird liturgies, groovy liturgies, have pushed people away for years and for decades. But COVID, COVID was the straw that broke the camel's back. Because then suddenly people realized that Monsignor Bob and Deacon Larry and all that, they just closed the churches down. Well, grandma needs extreme unction. It's okay, just pray. We're not coming because we don't want to get it. We don't want to get it. What? Hey, we just had a baby that needs to be baptized. You know, the baby was born with original sin, the wounds of Adam and Eve. The baby was born without sanctifying grace, which is the teaching of the church. The baby has no supernatural life preloaded in him or her. So we need a baby baptized. Oh, well, let's just schedule that for like nine months down the road when uh, this whole situation, this health situation gets fixed. People said, what? You mean the seven sacraments are dispensable and the clergy are dispensable and the church buildings that we've been donating money to for the building fund for all these years, it's all dispensable all dispensable and then people realize wait wait a second this ain't it this ain't it and they heard that maybe not down the street but 20 minutes away was this traditional church this traditional chapel and father's still saying mass and he's still hearing confessions every day and yes he will come in if you're someone sick and go to the hospital and it's emergency he will come right away and give extreme unction and anoint the sick. And he will baptize that baby. And then the people who didn't have access to that turned on YouTube right here. And they watched streaming live masses. And there were older people who wept tears as they saw the mass of their youth streaming on YouTube. And they said, this still exists? And those old men, those revered grandpas started remembering the confidior that they used to recite at the foot of the altar with father way back when, before the 1960s. A tear formed in their eye as they heard the prayers they haven't heard since they were 10, 11, 12 years old. And young people, 
15-year-olds, 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds, 9-year-olds watched on YouTube and saw the Mass as they had never seen it before. Maybe as they had seen it in movies from a long time ago or medieval depictions. But they saw the glory of the Roman Rite. And so traditional Catholicism exploded. And they, ever since this corona situation, have been trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube, but we know that that doesn't work. It's over. So what have they been up to? Before we get to this whole six out of seven sacraments compromise, and by the way, I'm going to jump to the end and, and give you some of the juicy meat. I'm going to give you the ribeye, the steak of it. Here's how it's going to shake down. This is the summary. I'm going to give you the summary. If you, if you want to click off, you can click off. But here's what's going to happen. They're going to take away everything except the TLM. And when the good holy priests baptize the baby in the traditional rite, when they hear confessions in the traditional rite, oh, and the modernist liberals are going to send out spies among us to see which, which confession is Father giving in the confessional. The big wigs in Rome are going to say, well, we tried to be nice. You see, they're going to gaslight us. We are nice people. And you know what? We know you guys love the traditional Latin Mass. And you guys, we know y'all love Vatican II. And you love Paul VI. And you love Bunini. We know that all of you in your Father Lassant's missiles, you know, this is my favorite kind of missile here, that y'all all have Annabal Bunini holy cards stuffed in there and all those pages. And you got, you know, a shrine to Paul VI at your house. We know that you trads, you just love all that. And we tried to be nice and we tried to give you a traditional Latin mass once a month or once a week, but you abused it. You naughty trads. You abused it. We heard that you were asking your priest to get traditional baptism for your children. You know, traditional baptism before Vatican II had three exorcisms of the baby. Yeah, but Taylor, aren't babies like innocent? And like, no, I mean, babies are innocent. But babies are born outside the Garden of Eden. They are born in the Valley of Tears. They are born after the fall of man. This is why we baptize babies. Not because it's cute and not to welcome them into a community. Although baptism does bring them into the one holy Catholic church. Baptism is a, re a remedy for original sin. And the old liturgy of Roman baptism had that in spades. It expresses it. That the influence of Satan and the demons are upon humanity even at birth. And there are three exorcisms on the infant. Removed after Vatican II. So the Vatican, they make, we try to be not. All right, hopefully I'm back. Looks like I'm back. We tried. We tried to give you. And be nice to you, but you abuse it. So we're taking everything away, you naughty, naughty trads. You don't get traditional Latin mass. You don't get anything. And it's your fault. It's your fault that you don't get the Latin mass anymore. And that's how it's going to go down, my friends. That's how it's going to go down. People said it froze when Taylor's making a funny face or something. Oh, well. We're back. We're back. Okay, so here's what they've been doing. Here's what they've been up to as of late. Pope Francis came onto the scene in 2013. I tried to be optimistic, positive. I spent three or four years saying, yeah, well, it could be orthodox or, well, maybe he really means this. Or, well, if you look at the Spanish, the third definition of that word actually could mean this. So let's just give the benefit of the doubt. I played that game for three or four years. Those of you that watch this podcast, you saw me try, and I was trying, to make Pope Francis fit a hermeneutic of continuity. But then, Amoris Laetitia, 2016, and I was just like, I can't do it anymore. 
You know, you can only squat and deadlift so much weight before you just put it down. You say, you know what, leg day's over. And that's how it kind of was for me. The thing that really hurt was when Francis said, you know, we shouldn't breed like rabbits. My wife and I were like, we've been accused and mocked for breeding like rabbits all these years. And now the Pope's throwing the insult into our face. That wasn't good. My wife, Joy, was kind of like, check yourself before you wreck yourself. But then in 2019, when there was considerable resistance against what was going on in the Vatican and against Pope Francis, you know Pope Francis is not popular in Rome. Did y'all know that? Did you know in Italy he's not popular? Did you know if you go to a Wednesday audience or the Angelus, there's not a lot of people there. There were a lot of people under JP2, and there was actually, there was less, but there was still a decent, decent crowds for Benedict Sixteenth. It's... From what I've heard, there's like, they cue tumbleweeds through the uh, Vatican Square when he's there. And there's not a lot of people. And if you look at the pictures, in fact, a lot of times they don't even release the pictures because it's boring. So if you remember, back in January of 2019, the Ecclesia Day Commission was suppressed. Now, again, if you follow this podcast, I put a spin on it. You know, an optimistic interpretation. I said, well, maybe this is just Francis putting an olive branch out to the Society of St. Pius X. Because if you remember, the Ecclesia Dei Commission is named after the document Ecclesia Dei, which is very anti-Archbishop Lefebvre and very anti-Society of St. Pius X. It sort of brings, uh, or it uh, lifts up, it elevates Fraternity of St. Peter, and then, of course, later, Institute of Christ the King and the other Ecclesia Dei bodies. I thought, well, maybe they're just trying to take away some of the negative vibe of what was Ecclesia Dei moving in the late 80s and into the 90s and starting from scratch and then just put everything into the congregation for the doctrine of faith. And maybe this is actually something positive for the Society of St. Pius X in getting regularized. Maybe. Well, then... A little over a year later, we're moving into the spring of 2020, we found out that the Vatican was sending out a survey to every bishop of the Catholic Church. That means your bishop got a copy of this survey, and they wanted to know how is the extraordinary form, a.k.a. the Latin Mass traditional, I don't use extraordinary form. If you watch me, you know, I say don't, don't say it. So I say traditional Latin Mass, the traditional Roman Rite. Extraordinary form is something Benedict XVI made up. I don't... It's newfangled. It's newfangled. But the survey to your bishop and all the bishops said, Hey, how is Sumorum Pontificum and the Latin Mass working out in your diocese? We want to hear from you. Fill out this survey. Now... From what I've heard, the bishops were not down or negative on Sumorum Pontificum or the growth, and it's a real growth in 2020, my friends, of the traditional Latin mass communities and parishes. But they put the survey out, and this is sort of the, the mirror, the smoke and mirrors of synodality. Francis already knows what he wants to do, but he's not going to look like a dictator or a monarch. So he puts his feelers out to people, then he brings in data, he does this on the, on the synods, and then he says, well, this is obviously what everybody wants, which is what he wanted in the first place. And what he wants in the first place is to suppress the traditional mass and sacraments and devotions and morality. So that's the survey that goes out. And then... Just over a year later, in mid-July, July 16th, we get Traditionis Custodes, allegedly guardians of tradition. Some kind of jokingly say jailers of tradition. And it effectively reverses Pope Benedict's motu proprio sumorum pontificum. It has all kinds of rules, including the dragon cannon. And I won't go through all of it because I did a full... YouTube podcast going through Traditionis Custodis. So I would I would encourage you to go back 
and check that one out. But what it did is it said no new priest can say the traditional Latin Mass. Uh, the permission that Benedict XVI gave to all Roman Rite priests to say the Latin Mass whenever they want without getting approval or permission, that has been rescinded, taken back. That's no longer on the, on the table. Any priest moving forward who wants to say the Latin Mass has to get a special dispensation, license, faculty in order to do that. And it also adds uh, new rules on where the Latin Mass can be uh, said, et cetera, and on and on. That in July of 2021 was the most nuclear of attacks against traditionalists since, I would say, 1970 or 1976. 1976 is when Archbishop Lefebvre started getting in all kinds of trouble with Paul VI. It is, I don't think people have yet fully appreciated, fully taken in how nuclear this attack is. And that's why, not long after, we have in Rome the implementation of Traditionus Custodis by Cardinal Angelo de Donatus. I also did a full podcast on this. This is why you got to subscribe. So you don't miss these commentaries that would go away. Last, no, it wasn't last month. It was in October, October 7th. I believe a feast of the Most Holy Rosary. Cardinal Angelo de Donatus restricted the celebration of the Latin Mass in the Diocese of Rome. He says the use of other ordos other than those of Paul VI is currently expressly forbidden. The only use of the 1962 Roman Missal is permitted. This is the strictest interpretation of the modo proprio. It restricts where it can be said, when it can be said. And it restricts a lot of it to the parish of Trinita, which is the parish. I've been there many times. I love the parish. Beautiful church, great priests, good sermons. Um... You know, there's masses going on at the side altar, a good traditional life there in Rome at Trinita. It kind of restricts things to Trinita and the church of the Institute of Christ the King. The name of that uh, church slips my mind right now. Maybe someone can share it in the, in the comments. So Sancta Trinita becomes the restricted place for it, and the priest of Trinita becomes sort of the go-between between the Cardinal Vicar of Rome and the traditional community. Also, restriction on Triduum, which is Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday, and the other six sacraments. Now, it just came out over the weekend a Michael Charlier, I might have said that incorrectly, he wrote that there will be more restrictions moving forward. Charlier said that there are reports that Francis wants to return all the traditional communities into one single mode of celebration. That is the Mass of Paul VI the Novus Ordo Mass, the New Order Mass. According to Charlier, papal delegates will be sent to the former Ecclesia Dei communities, Institute of Christ the King, Fraternity of St. Peter, and they will have, in a way, uber superiors, superiors who are over the superiors, who mediate between the Pope or Rome and these superiors. Also included in this is the insistence that all the lay people and all the clergy of these traditional communities are reconciled with Vatican II. In other words, no sermons or discussions or questions about what is binding in Vatican II. For example, Sacrosanctum Concilium, the document on liturgy, suppresses and bans one of the eight divine offices in the breviary, prime. Prime is suppressed at Vatican II. 
And yet, the religious and priests of the Fraternity of St. Peter and Institute of Christ the King and all the other ones, they do pray the divine office of prime. So in a way, they, their liturgical life by following the pre-Vatican II norms is contradicting a document of Vatican II. According to Charlier, the agenda will be to stamp all of that out. If you're praying the office of prime, like St. Benedict said you should, it's amazing that we're even talking about this. You're against the council. You're bad. You lose your cookie. You lose your treat. Sorry. We tried to be nice. They'll gaslight us. We tried to be nice and give you these things, but you just abused it. You're just disobedient. We created all these rules, and you broke one or two. Done. They will also insist on con-celebration. No more private masses at different altars. And then also insisting on con-celebration for the Chrism Mass at Holy Week, traditionally held on Monday, Thursday. And then also, they'll tell the Fraternity of St. Peter, Institute of Christ the King, when you hear confessions, no more traditional form. Use the Novus Ordo form. Confirmations will no longer be done traditionally. They will all be done Novus Ordo. We want you to fully integrate with the diocese. You can't have your special little boutique over there that will say. Charlier says that these delegates, these uber superiors, will, of course, have people who go along with them in the fraternities and societies and institutes. There will be compromisers. Hopefully not. God, have mercy on us, please. Kyrie eleison. But sadly, they're counting on there to be compromisers in the Institute of Christ the King who will say, well, if we just compromise and we stop saying prime and we baptize babies in the Novus Ordo and we do this and we concelebrate and we do that, they'll let us keep our traditional chasubles and say the Latin Mass. They might even let us keep a maniple when we say our Latin Mass. They might even let us keep berettas. But that, if any, if any take on that mindset, that is a position of weakness. And I've talked about positions of weakness in the traditional community. A lot of people got mad at me for that. Taylor Marshall condemned the fraternity of St. Peter. He condemned the Institute of Christ the King. He made fun of lace. He made fun. No. What I am condemning is the idea that we would compromise traditional theology or morality, and yes, even the traditional rites of the church, that we'd compromise any of those things, these pillars of the Catholic faith, in order for them to dangle out these things in front of us. I'm totally against that. I'm totally against that. That's not a condemnation of the Ecclesia Dei Communion. It's not a condemnation of the Fraternity of St. Peter. I know priests who are way more hard, in the Fraternity of St. Peter, who are way more hardcore than me on these things. But if there are compromisers, if there are people who are going to say, well, I can continue to maybe wear my cassock and Beretta and maybe say the Latin Mass if I just totally lay down and compromise and I'll accept... You know, I'll do the whole Amoris Laetitia thing and I'll preach one sermon a year on green theology and I'll even hold my nose and talk about liberation theology in a good way every once in a while just so I can keep my little, my little parsonage, my little kingdom of tradition. No, no. Every mile, every square foot, every square inch of this creation belongs to Jesus Christ, and it belongs to the form of the liturgy of the Roman Rite as has been developed by saints and popes for the greater glory and honor of the Most Holy Trinity. And it does not take a genius to realize that a concrete church with jagged, weird stained glass 
and Peter, Paul, and Mary, Bob Dylan music and prayers made up at the altar. And everyone around the altar and lay ministers everywhere. And a crucifix that doesn't even look like a crucifix. There's no way that you can look at that and say, well, that's obviously the superior form of the liturgy. It's not. Yeah, but Taylor, what about the unicorn Novus Ordo? Okay, it's better, but what about the prayers at the foot of the altar? What about the offertory prayers? What about the traditional colics? What about the traditional calendar? For example, they got rid of the feast of the precious blood in July. Why would you suppress the feast of the precious blood? Doesn't make sense. Why would you suppress and change the Holy Week liturgies, which are the oldest core of the Roman rite? Clearly, the older is better. I don't want a Pachamama in my liturgy. And I don't want any of the new fangled, and we say new, but I get a video that was kind of joking, like what new modern music would look like in the Novus Ordo compared to what Monsignor Bob and Deacon Larry actually do perform, which is new, which is actually like if they're, you know, Bob Dylan, Peter, Paul, and Mary, you know, maybe shifting, getting more contemporary sounds like ABBA, or maybe sounds like 1980s musicals. Maybe, you know, you're getting more contemporary as you move that way, but it's not like what's on the top 10 right now. And do we even want that? No. We want Gregorian chant. We want that old-timey Roman tradition. And honestly, I mean, our, some of our kids were trying to think how many were baptized traditionally. I don't know. I can't do the math right now, but let me just say, when we realized how beautiful traditional Roman baptism was, pre-Vatican II baptism, we were blown away. Even my sister, who's Protestant, said, wow, that was, you know, she'd been to other baptisms, that baptism. She was like, wow, that was, y'all really believe something there. Like she could tell. And it was in Latin, mostly. By the way, I think one of the number one videos all time of Roman baptism is a baptism of one of our sons on YouTube. It's a really old video from like 2010. It's like 11 years old on YouTube. And some people say, hey, I was Googling like old Roman baptism to see what it looked like in an old video of a younger Taylor Marshall uh, having his child baptized popped up. So it's out there if you want to find it. Um, it's somewhere on my channel back in the day. But when we saw the old Roman baptism, I said, man, the new baptism liturgy is just not as good. I'm not saying it's not valid. I want you to hear me. If you are baptized in the Novus Ordo, you are properly baptized. As long as the priest used the form and he used water and the intention to do what the church says, you're baptized. But there's also the liturgy of which the sacrament sits and which it's situated. Same with confirmation, same with penance. For example, in the sacrament of penance in the old form, they actually lift censures and excommunications and interdictions off of you in the confessional. So, for example, if you were involved in an abortion, there are certain censures that fall upon you because of that sin. And it's not just mortal sin. There's also ecclesiastical, canonical censures that fall upon you. The priest should remove those when you confess, if, if you confess that sin. But they don't always. In the old form, it always did remove it. That's just one little example again. Same thing with matrimony. It's different. Same thing with extreme unction. It's different. All the sacraments, all seven, were remixed after Vatican II. And my question is, why? Did it increase faith? Did it catechize people better? Did people suddenly appreciate the sacraments more? Did it, I mean, why? Was it broken? Were the, were the rituals before needing improvement? Did we need a 2.0 baptism ritual? Why not just use the old one that we were using for centuries? 
just to change it? The modern world demands a modern liturgy? Mm. Is that legit? I don't think so. So my position, and I made this clear in my book, Infiltration, my position is we recognize lawful authority, the papacy, the cardinals, the bishops, our priests, pastors. We recognize that, but we resist where there is compromise to faith and morals. And liturgy, I've said before, is one of those areas where depending, this is why there's fight amongst traditionalists sometimes. Because there's disagreement on where does liturgy fit with faith and morals. In other words, if the Pope were to tell you um, in the baptismal rite there must always be a Pachamama idol next to the font, if he said that, right, um, wouldn't the faithful be justified and actually righteous in resisting a liturgical custom that is contrary to tradition in the faith? And the answer would be yes. Other people would say, well, he's got to obey the Pope. It's not up for you to discern it. You got to obey. And that right there, that tension, and by the way, in a way, both of them are sort of Catholic ideals, obey the Pope, be subject to the Roman pontiff, which is true, I am subject to the Roman pontiff, and also never compromise faith, morality, or tradition, or liturgy. We live in an area right now where there's some friction right there, and it's really uncomfortable. And that's why there's disagreements. And my encouragement to people would be, it is very complicated. There is disagreements. But let's have charity and unite over the things that are the most, part, uh, most important. That's why I say unite the clans. When I say unite the clans, I don't mean bow down and compromise everything for the sake of a union. I say, we're about to take a beating, my friends, as traditionalists. We better bind together for some kind of charitable resistance because we're about to get lashed. I want to share a quote with you. I thought I had it ready. Let me just make sure I do. Yep, I do. Suarez cited Cardinal Cajetan, who was an opponent of Martin Luther in the 1530s. He said, if the Pope, as is his duty, would not be in full communion with the body of the church, for example, if he were to excommunicate the entire church, or if he were to change all the liturgical rites of the church that have, upheld by, that have been upheld by apostolic tradition, he should be resisted. He would not have authority to do such things. For example, excommunicate the entire church where he says, I hereby excommunicate every baptized person on earth except for me. That would make the Pope himself skizzy, schismatic. But notice he also says, if you were to change all the liturgical rites. And the set of Acontes say, well, yeah, Paul VI did change all the rites of the church. So ding, ding, ding. Cajetan. Suarez. I mean, it bothers me deeply that Paul VI changed the liturgy for all seven sacraments. I know I haven't been Catholic as long as many of you out there, but that detail right there, that, real, that one really gets me. How can it be that a pope would suppress, not suppress, well, yeah, suppress the old liturgies and put in all new liturgies? By the way, and appoint a guy to remix the liturgies, Anibal Bugnini, who was a modernist and a suspected Freemason infiltrator. That alone, I'm like, why would I want my kids to go to that? H to the no. No, thank you. All right. What do we do? 
you hear me say it every time, pray the rosary every day. If you don't pray the rosary, you're not on the team. Let's pray the rosary. Let's catechize our kids. Let's find good traditional liturgy. Go to the traditional Latin Mass. Hear traditional sermons. Get traditional catechesis for your children. Expose your children to traditional nuns. Sisters, isn't it sad that a child in the Catholic Church today could reach the age of 18 and never see a nun? Or a traditional nun, rather. I'm not talking about nuns on the bus. They got like pantsuits on and a lapel pin that says, I'm a nun. That's the only way you know they're a nun is they got, I'm a nun. Without that lapel pin, you wouldn't even know. I call those LPNs, lapel pin nun. Make that viral. Meme it. All you talented memers out there, I want to see LPN meme, lapel pin nun. But isn't it sad that children grow up and the only thing they've ever seen maybe is an LPN? Not the, the beautiful sisters and their veils, their coarse garments, rosaries, cords, penance, the beauty of holiness. So that's why I say you need, if you have children, especially dads listening to me, you need to find a traditional church where you get traditional catechesis and you have friends who are living this thing and they're saying, yeah, we don't eat meat on Friday and we're going through the Baltimore Catechism and we're in love with Jesus and we're praying the rosary. These are the kind of people you want to be godparents for your kids. So find that. If it's not near you, sadly, you're going to have to move if you can. I know economic things, jobs, all that makes things real difficult but if you can if you work at home or your company has another branch in another place and you can research that and figure it out do it move that's what i call the great catholic migration it's happening i have met just the other day i was at mass fraternity saint peter Manner's wife walked up and said, thank you so much. We watched you for a long time on YouTube. And we you know, we said, finally, let's just move. Let's just go. Where are we going to go? We'll go to Texas. And I said, we've been here. We love it. It's awesome. By the way, if y'all are watching, hello and howdy. Great to have you here in Texas. Great Catholic migration. Do it. I've also partnered with Real Estate for Life to help you do that if you want to. Go to realestateforlife.org. They'll help you find a good wholesome real estate agent who can help you sell your place wherever you are and find you a good home, a good place in one of these communities that have what you need. I recommend North Texas. I recommend Kansas. I recommend Coeur d'Alene. There are other good places as well. Um, do your own research, but the people over at Real Estate for Life can really help you out. Go to realestateforlife.org and let them know you heard about it at the Dr. Taylor Marshall Show podcast. So we got we to gotta come together. We got to unite the clans around truth, not around compromise. We need to pray for and support our traditional Catholic priests who are living these ideals. We need to show charity and love for people around us who maybe don't fully understand these things. Don't you dare go out and be one of those rude, mean, trad Catholics. We don't need any more of those. We need welcoming trad Catholics who see new people and make room for them in the pew. Or after Mass, say, hey, come have a donut and coffee. Or where are you from? Or if they're confused at Mass, you can hand them the little red book and say, hey, we're over here on page 14. Oh, thank you, thank you. That's what we need you to be. Ambassadors for tradition. Welcome people to tradition, not turning them off not being the Pharisee in the midst. All right, all right, all right. Well, if you like this video, you know what to do. Thumbs up, like it, and then people need to see this. You think YouTube is going to share this video and their algorithm. It's probably the most least popular algorithm on YouTube. 
traditional Catholicism. I don't even, there's probably not even like a label for that inside YouTube. That's why I say you are my algorithm. So if people to see this, to learn from it, you have to use the share button and share it on Twitter or Facebook. Facebook works better. So please share it. And of course, if you haven't subscribed yet, please hit the subscribe button and hit the bell to be notified of future shows. And a special thank you to everyone who supports this channel in my work in writing and producing content. I have patrons who are generous. It's the tip jar. If you want to support the work I'm doing, I'll send you signed books, merch, thank you items. And you can learn more about that at patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. Also offer online courses through patreon.com or you can do it directly at newsaintthomas.com. I even have how to pray in Latin, how to go through the whole Latin mass, line by line, step by step, how to set the ribbons in your book, everything you need to do. That whole course is over at newsaintthomas.com. Inexpensive fun, well played out, good technology, and me teaching the course to you. Check it out at newsaintthomas.com. All right, we're going to pray the Hail Mary. Oremus in nomine Patris et Fidei et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in molieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, or pranobis peccatoribus, nunc et etor mortis nostrae. Amen. Nomini Patris et Vidii, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. All right, friends, thanks so much for watching. I did a really exciting webinar last week on Mary and the Eucharist. There is a replay of it with the link. Uh, it's here on YouTube. It's the video I did one or two before. If you click on that video, there's a link to that webinar, and you can watch the replay. It's called Mary and the Eucharist. I show you how to explain and defend our Lady and the Holy Eucharist, the two most controversial topics in Catholic history and why those are important, how they will help lead you to Christ. Of course, the Eucharist is Christ and Our Lady magnifies Christ. And I give you a bunch of resources and uh, documents and PDFs and a free book and a bunch of stuff uh, to get you equipped and to get you confident in the Catholic faith on these two topics. So check that out. Um, it's the Mary and the Eucharist webinar. Just go back a couple days and you'll see the link in there. And until next time, remember, our Lord Jesus Christ says you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless and Godspeed.